0: hello hello everybody it's good to be with you again thank you for taking the time to sit and listen or to walk and listen however you choose to consume this content i have no idea but thank you i'm appreciative of the fact that i have such an awesome group of listeners that i have such an amazing audience i appreciate your time and i hope that you will like subscribe share with your friends all that good stuff if you enjoy this episode we're wrapping up the seven spiritual laws of success series, I guess, um, which is crazy that I've done all seven of them. I mean, that commitment's kind of intense, right? I mean, this has lasted longer than most of my relationships, so I'm pretty excited. Like, this is cool. This is growth for me as a person. We're getting better out here. And this last one, and again, I haven't read this book in forever, so this is kind of, it's not blind reacting, but I'm um, I'm definitely I'm not prepared for it, and I like doing that. I think it's a good challenge for me, especially lately, since my brain has not been working at 100%, but that's okay. So this last one is the law of dharma. I think that's how you say it. It's a Sanskrit word. Um, And a little bit of a pagan um, color there, obviously. There can still be some wisdom extracted from it, of course. And I think that that there is some truth in, in the... The overall message. Um, of course, Christ is king and we're not going to fall into idolatry, but I'm definitely going to see if I can extract some wisdom from this. So first off, we have the first quote is, Dharma is a San- Sanskrit word that means purpose in life. And the law of Dharma says that when we have taken manifestation in physical form to fulfill a purpose. So this is where I kind of sort of disagree and I'm not saying that we don't have purpose in life. I'm saying that I don't think that we necessarily have, how do I say this? It's not that we don't have a singular purpose, but I think that we are born with free will and we have a tremendous capacity for action. We can do a lot of different things. We can do all sorts of stuff and to think that you only have one particular purpose, right? And if, if, if I was to push into that a little bit, I would say maybe maybe our purpose overall is to, is to grow, is to grow closer to a higher ideal, to rise above our fallen state, to rise above our our starting point, right? If you don't go anywhere in life, then what's the point? If you don't affect other people, if you only live life for yourself, if you just seek pleasure and you pursue your immediate happiness... And you don't give back to anything you don't add to anyone else's life you don't contribute to society to the world history and now how you do that is going to depend on you right like you may be a very simple person you just you do want to be happy and for you passing on that legacy is raising a solid family there's nothing wrong with that maybe for you it's you are a super dependable person and everyone knows they can rely on you and because of that you have more influence and you can you can transfer your morality. You can transfer your code of ethics, right? Like your philosophy of life. People listen to you because they respect you. How you want to go about doing it is up to you, I think. That's my belief because we have a lot of potential. We could be a lot of things. You don't necessarily have to be – you know, a a, a scientist, you don't have to be a rock star, you don't have to be a writer, you don't have to be an athlete, you don't have to be any particular thing, because you could be any of those things. You could be so many different things, right? But the important thing to understand about potential is that it does not work without sacrifice. You have to be willing to sacrifice your potential in order to realize it, Because let's say you're born, let's say you're 15 years old. Let's say you're 18 years old. And, you know, there's weird stuff out there on the internet. We're not going to talk about 15-year-olds. We're going to talk about me as an 18-year-old because I am the greatest and most interesting story of our generation. Not everyone has realized that yet, but we're going to go back to 18 years old. I had all these different things that I could do, and I think that you can relate to this as well. I think that most people that I speak with, especially in relation to this show, Have this sense that they have to do all this stuff. They have all this responsibility. And part of that comes from knowing that they have that potential and they haven't worked out the fact that they can't do it all. Now, you may be able to do a lot of it, but you cannot do it all at once. So, I wanted to be a bunch of different things. I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be an athlete. I wanted to be a career military. I also wanted to be a career businessman. I wanted to work in entertainment. I wanted to do all this different stuff. And I kind of tried my hand at a lot of it, but what I started to realize is that when you really commit to something, when you really fully engage in anything, one, it can become meaningful. So to say that you have to have a certain path in order to fulfill a purpose, I think that that's really, that puts a lot of stress on you because it's like, well, I can do all these different things. I can follow all these different paths. Which one do I pick? And it's really, it's really obnoxious because it, it hurts your brain. Like, I, I don't know what to do. And it stresses you out and you get uh, paralysis by analysis. And you overthink things. And you're 18. You don't know what's going on. Well, to, you, don't, you don't know what's going on. Like, you, you really don't. You have to experiment. You have to go out there. You have to work. You have to try things. You have to fail. You have to come back from that failure. Okay? And that's a process. And to think that, well, you didn't figure out your purpose immediately. You are a loser. I think that that's silly. And I'm not saying that that's what he's saying in this book. I don't th- I don't think that that's the vibe that he's trying to capture. I don't think that's the implication he's saying. But I just, I don't necessarily agree that there's a purpose. Now, if God has given you a purpose, he's going to make that known to you. And it's going to be obvious in many ways. Like for me, speaking is part of it. But here's the thing. If I am, if, like, let's say that I'm called to teach. I'm called to help people. And i really for a time, and I'm not sure that I even disagree with this now, but I, I, I had this idea that, My purpose is to suffer. My purpose is to suffer because I pay attention to my suffering. And I I think about it, and I analyze it, and I pick it apart. I'm like, why am I suffering? What is making it worse? What does make it a little bit better? And why do those things make it worse or better? Why do they have those effects? I I really dig down into it. And because of that, I have gone through some really difficult times. And to be fair, most of that was because I'm an idiot and I made bad decisions. But I've gone through this stuff, and I figured out how to get out of it. And it wasn't ever like I just got through it. It was always I figured something out, right? And now that wasn't always something to do with me. It wasn't always because, well, I mastered this. It was sometimes because I learned to ask for help, right? That, that, that is a real thing. So, But, but I've learned strategies, and i figured things out. I'm not saying I'm the expert on anything, let alone suffering. But I really felt like maybe that's my role is to go through hard times so that I can help other people get through them. And I don't really know that that's my ultimate purpose, but maybe that's part of the purpose, right? Maybe that plays into the bigger role of I teach people, and maybe for you it's making art. But if you are not a famous painter, if you don't publish a novel, does that mean that you don't fulfill your purpose? What if you use those skills towards something else, right? What if you don't write the book that you wanted to write, but you use that communication ability and you speak with people and you influence people throughout your life in such a way that you are totally unique and you have a tremendous impact on everyone around you? That's still meaningful, is it not? And so to think that, well, I have to do this thing or I'm not good enough, I didn't fulfill my purpose, I think that when you use your innate God-given gifts – to the best of your ability, I think that things start to kind of work out for you in a very mysterious way, and that's based off of my own personal experience. That's based off of what I've observed in myself and in other people, and maybe I'm wrong, but that's my view on that. Is I don't think that you, I don't think that you were solely created just to do XYZ. I, I just disagree with that, and if you disagree with me, that's fine. I'd love to hear your opinion on that. Uh, maybe maybe leave a comment on that, but. Um, The next quote is, everyone has a purpose in life, a unique gift or special talent to give to others. Again, I do believe that. That is true. Um, What's interesting, though, is that it's not necessarily the gift that is unique, right? Like, again, and I'm just using this as an example. I'm just, you know, sometimes people complain that, like, well, you're only speaking from your experience. And it's biased. Like, no, 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 no. I'm speaking about a thing, about a a, a principle of life, about something that is real and observable. And I use my personal experience to illustrate it because I have learned that people connect with that. Because when I'm real and I'm vulnerable and I talk about the things that have actually affected me, even if somebody doesn't necessarily, even if I don't think that somebody else would relate, they do. So just to put that out there. So, but again, let's just talking about like, I feel called to teach. I feel called to communicate. I feel called to speak. I feel called to, to act in certain ways. Um, I don't, is that unique or am I just a unique person who is acting out that gift? I think that that's a more accurate statement, right? So you bring something unique to the table and so you can learn because like I have certain varied interests, right? I have an interest in music, I have an interest in philosophy, in history, and psychology, in, um, you know, scripture. And I have a very particular interest in scripture, too. I, I have a, a mystical, um, symbolic interest in those things. Some people are very bent on, to, you know, towards like a um, historical interpretation or a ethical interpretation. And I, I find value in that, but that's not what really speaks to me, right? If you look at music, for example, and you say, you know... I love music and I like a certain collection of music that other people don't quite like, or at least they don't, they don't, they don't have that same combination and, and that bleeds into the style that I bring to the table. And maybe it's not just music. Maybe it's also, I like certain types of fiction, right? Or I like certain types of dance or something. I don't know. And there's a way that in your mind, in a very abstract way that you you take that one thing that is different, but you use it to influence your other thing. So maybe your music affects your writing. Maybe your art reflects in your politics. Maybe your communication style affects um, the way that you behave at work. Like, I have no idea, but there's a lot of different ways that you can realize your purpose. And I don't think that you're stuck on one thing, but remember, you can't be everything at once. If you're standing there at the crossroads, looking like I can go five different directions. I could be a writer. I could go into this or that business industry. I can go into this industry. I can go back to school and I can learn how to do something or other. Um, But I could also work with so-and-so, and and that's an interesting opportunity. It's like you've got all this stuff. You have to sacrifice something, right? Like you can't do all five of those things at once. It doesn't mean that you can't take the job that you – like the interesting corporate job and – just throw everything out the window. It's like, well, I still want to pursue art. I still want to educate myself about this other thing, right? Like you can still do that, but you are sacrificing a certain amount of your potential because you can't fully commit to it. You can't fully commit to everything. And people are really stuck in that these days because they're reluctant to go all in on anything because what if it doesn't work out? What if they miss out on this other stuff? that they want to do. They want to do it all, right? And they've been told that they can. And I'm sorry to break it to you, but you can't. Now, you may go through a phase where you say, I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to go the corporate route. Okay, cool. And in five years, you realize, I don't like this. This isn't working for me. This is not feeding my soul. This is not going to make me happy. And all this, that, and the other. Let's switch to something else. Then you go back to one of those things, and maybe you've grown as a person and realize actually, those all those other things in retrospect weren't good ideas either, but now I have five new things. Okay, pick from those things. What have you learned from that experience that you've gone through so far? What have you developed? What have you gotten better at? What have you gotten worse at, right? Because you do get worse at certain things over time. Um, maybe you get, yeah, for example, I, I feel like I, the longer I'm in sales, the less patient I become, or at least I go through phases of being less patient. So like, I don't want to deal with people sometimes. But... what it is moving on there is something that you can do better than anyone else in the world and for every unique talent and unique expression of that talent there are also unique needs this i fully agree with you're going to bring something to the table that nobody else can you are you and you have a certain varied range of interests and your own disposition your own experiences your own background your own personality you can do things that other people can't now you have to put in the work though that's really important people think that because they're unique and they bring something to the table that they don't have to go through the same process as everybody listen you don't get out of the process you have to submit to the process you have to be willing to sacrifice your wants, your desires towards a higher ideal because you know you could be better. And you have to go through that and commit to it and allow it to change you, allow yourself to grow. You can't stay stuck in the same place. You can't have the success you want staying who you are today because if you deserved that success, you would already have it. So you have to change, you have to grow, and you have to sacrifice certain things, potential, comfort, pleasure, et cetera. But the reward for that is that you develop yourself as a person. You prove yourself to the world and to yourself, and you learn, you get better, and you're able to translate that into service to others, which will compensate you, right? People say, well, I want to serve myself, right? You will serve yourself when you learn to give value to other people because you can bring a unique perspective to things that nobody else can. And so because of that, you will never, like you can find your niche. You can find your particular place that you fit in. And you don't have to worry about, well, so-and-so is better at this. Okay, but you could be better at this. Well, so-and-so is better at that. It's like, okay, well, what about the combination of those two things? Is anybody else doing that? What about the combination of those two things with your disposition? You know, like, for example, look at podcasting. There's plenty of things that, you know, there's, there's certain things that I, 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 I do believe that I do better than other podcasters out there. There's a lot of things that other people do much better than me, though. And that's just the reality. So let's look at a certain style is like, let's say that I'm, I don't think anybody's doing quite what I'm doing. People are doing similar things and I don't think anybody's copying me. I don't, I don't have that kind of ego. Um, I would love to say that people were, I just, I don't think that I've made that big of an impact. Um, That'd be kind of cool though. But anyway, I present things in a certain way based off of my disposition, my communication style, um, my personality. There's certain things, so, so, so me and somebody else can come up with the same idea, but the, the practice, the application is different, right? And that applies to anything. You can do things like maybe some people are in your, your space, you know, whatever to use the colloquial. They're in your space, and they're doing kind of the same thing, and they have similar ideas, but the way that you present it is different. Right? Like maybe you're funnier than those people and you can bring a certain element of entertainment. Maybe you're not funny. Maybe that's the problem, or you think it is, right? Maybe you're more reserved, you're more quiet, you're more soft spoken. Maybe you're an angry person, right? People love it when I rant. People love it when I get angry, um, which makes me wonder should I start getting angry and yelling at people? Um, Should I start ranting more? And I probably will, and that's fine. But, you know, Nobody has the exact same presentation style as I do. Nobody has the same presentation style as you do. Nobody has the same interests as you do. They may be similarities, but when you get down to it, you are unique, and you need to lean into that. Embrace your weirdness, as Robert Greene says. All right, so when these needs are matched with the creative expression of your talent, he's talking about the needs that, that there's unique needs in the world. When those needs are matched with the creative expression of your talent, that is the spark that creates affluence. So basically what I just said, if you, learn to, if you learn to find those needs that nobody else is filling and you are uniquely positioned to do something about it because you are unique and you have a certain specialty. Now, this doesn't come because you're just a magical unicorn and you know there's nobody like me and I can do whatever I want. No, you have to discipline yourself. You have to develop yourself. You have to grow. You have to develop something real, something tangible. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen because you feel that you could do it. You have the potential to be there. You have to create, you have to build yourself into the type of person to, to actually be useful to other people. And when you learn to do that, when you learn to give value to other people, that returns to you. That is what creates affluence. It's what creates wealth. It's what Because people pay you for that, Right? People pay you when you meet their needs. And it may not be immediate. It may be a 10-year process, but it will happen. If you consistently improve other people's lives, your life is going to be pretty good. And it may not be an immediate return. But when you commit yourself to providing value for other people, and when you align that goal with the things that you are naturally inclined towards, your your aptitude, the things that you are blessed with, that's when the real stuff happens. And it's pretty amazing. Okay, we're not – this is, I think, a pretty common saying. We're not human beings that have occasional spiritual experiences. It's the other way around. We are spiritual beings that have occasional human experiences. I wouldn't say that it's occasional. I disagree with this as well. Um, I think that we are – I think that modern culture has this – well, it's hard to say modern culture. There's a pretty wide array of beliefs and, and viewpoints here from a spiritual perspective, because again, this is a spiritual book. So I'm addressing, especially the new age community and even, even a lot of religious institutions in this too. I think that, I think that a lot of people get this wrong. It's the, the body, the human experience, the physical, there is a sense of it being lower than the spiritual and you know, the ways of heaven are higher than the ways of earth. So God's ways and thoughts are higher than ours. There, there is something in that, absolutely. Like, we're not we're not the supreme um, forces in the universe. But I do think that it's a mistake to discount the physical. I don't think that it's, okay, that it's appropriate to say we have an occasional human experience. I think that this is a uniquely human experience, that this is a potentially very beautiful experience. And part of that comes from the fact that there is a contrast between, you know, beauty and, I don't say ugliness, but... Um, something else beauty and horror maybe there's something between pleasure and pain between the transcendence and the mundane there's there's something in that and i don't think that the that the way forward is denial of the physical in the sense that like usually when that phrase is used at least in a religious context it's it's like denial of self as in my lower self wants certain things like i want to go have promiscuous sex with a bunch of people. I want to go live off of junk food because it's amazing. I just want to eat McDonald's every day. Not McDonald's, but maybe their ice cream. Their ice cream is pretty good when it works. Just saying. But I want to do certain things, but there's also, I understand from a, from a spiritual perspective that that is my lower nature. That is my animal brain. That is the human body that wants something. The human body is just an animal. Whereas the spirit is what animates it, and the soul is what mediates between the two. But we don't really understand any of those things. We're, we're constantly in confusion about this, and so we have these conflicting desires, the things that are pulling us up on one sense, but also the things that are pulling us down. And I don't think that those things are intentionally pulling us down. That's just their nature. But denying and saying, like, we're not humans, we're just spiritual like that is you're missing out on a lot of opportunity for growth because if you start to really dive into the physical and really get into like what is this animal nature that I'm, that I'm interacting with the, with the world through? What is this thing that I'm animating? When you really start to pay attention to that and you start to di- – it, it clears away a lot of illusion because we think that we're intelligent. We think that we're thinking clearly and we're not, right? Like we think I want to do this. And it's just because I want to do it. That's what I want to do. And the reality is there's forces in our unconscious that are, that are moving us in so many different directions. There's things that are coming up from deep down inside of our brains, inside, like from the foundational um, framework that our, our, our brain was built off of when we were little kids, the things that we internalized. We don't even know that we have internalized the stuff. It's just we're fish and water to it. It's so unconscious, we don't even realize that we are acting out patterns from, that we learned as, as babies, as kids, that we picked up unconsciously through the media. Like, we, why do we do the things that we want to do? And that's the, that's the mental side. That's not even the emotional side. The emotional side is that we have certain emotions, and those emotions are meant to motivate us to do things. But where do those emotions come from? They come from the unconscious. They come from the mental plane, in a sense. So there's that mediation again. Like our awareness, our consciousness knows things and is, is con, um, contemplative in a sense. The mind makes decisions and we use the mind to think, but the mind also makes decisions for us. Like we're not aware of our unconscious. Why are you attracted to somebody? Is it because you've sized them up and realized that they're a good partner? Or is it you just get turned on when you look at them? And it's like, well, actually the unconscious did size them up. The unconscious evaluated their likelihood of producing good offspring. I mean, that's what it is. Like that, like we, we have attraction to one another. We have sex to make babies and people have divided, they've, they've separated sex from childbearing in, in modern culture. And so people are very confused. Like, I don't understand why I can't attract a partner. Like because you're trying to present yourself as someone who can provide pleasure, not as somebody that is a good partner, not just as somebody that is good for the purpose of these relationships. Got to watch my plosives there. Um, But anyway, so the mind is there. The soul is there. The mind's doing its own thing, right? And then the body is responsive to that. The body is reacting to it. So you see something that could hurt you, and the mind goes, okay, this could hurt me. And how does it get you to move? Well, it fills your body with emotion because emotion puts you in motion. It, It compels you to act. You feel fear, you move away from it, right? You feel anger, you move towards it. You feel sad. You don't do something about it. You feel depressed. You don't. You don't act right. You feel manic. <laughs> it's the opposite of that. You feel ang- anxious, which is just another form of fear, and you do something right, like you move. So, there's the body that wants its own things, right? The body just automatically responds to certain things. It smells certain kinds of food, and it just wants it, right? You feel a craving for it, like why? Because the body's evaluating that this is going to f- taste good. Um, and so that's the, that's the mind, body, spirit kind of mediation. Um, anyway, yeah, so the, the, the reason I was talking about all that, the, the, the way that that's relevant is because we, we are that soul, we are that consciousness, but we're, we're really deeply enmeshed in the body and the mind. And so when we just say, oh, I'm a spiritual being, I just kind of have physical experiences, it's like, no, 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 like that's part of who you are. That's a very deep part of who you are when you deny that. Now, I'm not talking about disciplining that in the sense of denying it. As in like, I want this thing, but the, the body wants this thing, so I'm going to deny that because I have mastery over my body. That's not what I mean. I mean denial in the sense that like, oh, I'm not the body. That's not me. No, yes, you are. You absolutely are. And until you acknowledge that, you cannot be free from it because those emotions, those unconscious desires and thoughts, they control you. If you deny that they are there and you say, I'm just a spirit, in this body no no no. you are heavily influenced by these things and you are a slave to whatever controls you so you have to dive into that you have to start meditating on it you have to start becoming aware of those things because that is what will set you free because you start to understand it you start to shed light on those shadowy areas of your being and you can't do that if you're in denial about the fact that you are a human being and People, I already hear people arguing with me and saying, well, that's not what it means. It's like, that's not what it means, and it's not what you think when you interpret it, but that's what I see people act out. That's what I see people say. They talk about they're just a spiritual being. They ignore the consequences of the physical, and that's not good for you. They say, well, because they don't sit there and rationalize and say, well, because I'm a spiritual being. The body's less important. So I'm going to go do drugs. I'm going to take psychedelics and sleep around because it doesn't matter. No, no, no. They think that that's somehow leading them towards because they, they feel um, a certain type of way. They feel more spiritual when they do that. And that's not actually the spirit that's animating that. That's not your higher reasoning. That's not your higher intellect, your consciousness. That is your lower nature. That is your emotional body. That is your mental plane that has become corrupted for, through spiritual warfare. So that's something to be very careful about. All right. You have a unique, you have a talent that is unique in its expression. So unique that there's no one else alive on this planet that has that talent or that expression of that talent. Again, I half agree with this. I don't think that your talent is that unique. I think that your expression of that talent absolutely can be unique. If if everyone's talented for, towards, if they have a, Uh, what's, what's the word They're, they're naturally good at, um, they have an aptitude. That's what I'm looking for. They have an aptitude towards playing guitar or any instrument, any musical instrument, right? Well, a lot of people have that. If you have an aptitude for writing, a lot of people do. You have an aptitude for sports. Okay. A lot of people do the way that you go about doing it. That can be unique, but ultimately a lot of the processes that you use to get better are the same. They're standardized for a reason because they work. And so the, part, the point that I want to make on this is that you have to sacrifice what you could be for what you want to be, right? you got to let a lot of other stuff go, and you have to sacrifice your short-term pleasure and comfort for the higher ideal. So that's very important because people say, oh, I'm unique, and I have this great expression of talent. It's like you could, but you have to apply yourself over a long stretch of time, and that's difficult to do. The third component of the law of... Is it dharma as a dharma? I think that's actually dharma. I may have said that wrong. Either way, it's service to hum- to humanity, to serve your fellow human beings. Um, I agree with that. I would I would add on that it's also service to God, and that by extension, that is service to fellow human beings, um, because you know, as Christ says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And if you if you treat other people badly, you don't really get to complain about the state of your life. If you are only seeking after making your life better, well, then you can't be surprised when the world doesn't bend to conform itself to your will, right? If you make it your mission that you want to add value to other people, you want to serve other people, whether that's through the way that your work, if you want to start a business, if you're just going to be at work, right? You can find ways to serve other people. You can find countless ways throughout the day. You can help somebody out with these little tasks. You can take the initiative. You can go grab the door for somebody. Like you can find all these different ways to help people and to serve them. And when that becomes your focus, when that becomes what you fixate on, and that that is the the at least towards the top of your hierarchy, and, and your personal pleasure and comfort is below it, let's at least say that, things are going to work out for you. It may not be immediate. It doesn't mean you won't suffer and you won't struggle, but things will get better for you. You will be blessed. You will be helped. People are going to want to help you. People are going to do nice things for you. People are going to want to work with you. You're going to establish good relationships with people, which means that they're going to trust you, which means they're, they're going to give you responsibility. They're going to give you their money. They're going to give you time, options. They're going to help you when you need it. So that's a good thing. So yes, focus on serving other people. Now use that. Use your own proclivities. Use your own natural talents to get there, right? Do it in your own unique way. Apply yourself with consistent discipline and be very, very honest with yourself about where you are and about why you're failing. Because people like to say, well, I'm uniquely talented. Why am I not more successful? And then they get depressed and like, oh, I got to give up. Like, oh, other people are going viral faster than me, getting wealthy faster than me, getting published, getting signed, getting whatever faster than me. Maybe I'm not uniquely talented anymore. You stake your identity on those talents. And it's like, well, what happens when the rug's pulled out from under you? You get nowhere to go. So no, you have to focus on the discipline. You have to focus on making yourself better, but you gotta be honest with yourself. and Say, look, I'm not as good as I could be. I need to be a lot better. These other people in some ways are better than me. Even if they don't seem to be, there's certain things that they do that are working for them and I'm not doing them. Otherwise I would be in the same position. So I need to figure that out. I need to improve myself. I need to get better. Okay. And then the next quote is in just shifting, shifting your internal dialogue from what's in it for me to how can I help you automatically go beyond the ego into the domain of your spirit. Um, Yeah, I agree with that. There's been, (laughs) there's been a few on this, um, this chapter that have been like, "Eh, I don't know Um, that that I'll agree with. Um, Again, just kind of rehearse and just, just make a commitment throughout your day to say, how can I serve? How can I help other people? And I, I, I'm a pretty prideful person. I used to say, like, I'm not here to serve anybody. Screw you. I, I'm here to win, whatever. And I, I, I encountered some people that were really good examples of just being a human being. Um, one, one woman in particular, she was just really had that heart of service and just that her whole attitude was, I want to help people. And she meant it. And, like, I know I you could tell that she meant it. That was what she was all about. And she didn't used to be like that. She had a transformative um, encounter with God. And that changed everything about how she lived her life. And it was really, truly profound because, like, you know, what is the progression there? Because you don't just go from being selfish and self-centered to being that way you have to make commitments you have to make a series of commitments you have to start looking for opportunities to practice that and so what she was she would say this over and over again i think that she was thinking out loud which is kind of funny um because it was almost like i was hearing her thought process and unconsciously picked up on the fact that like that's the internal dialogue that i need because i want to be a good person I, I, i do i want to be a good person i think most people do and so to hear somebody think out loud who is a good person it's very interesting. You, you get to pick up on some stuff and just throughout the day consciously, I just want to serve. How, do, how can I help you? I want to help these people. I want to help these people. When I tell you, she was crazy successful. She had made so much money. She didn't even work, really. She just like went like found ways to help people all day. This isn't sales. And people loved her. People trusted her because she's a trustworthy person because she looked to add value to other people's lives and she would go out of her way to help people even when there really wasn't anything in it for her. That's the other thing too. It wasn't like, I want to make this sale by having the mindset that, well, you need this and I'm helping you. No, it was like, even if like she was totally willing to turn down money, she was totally willing to cut people deals, to do things that were not in her best interest. And she was very prosperous as a result. So that was a transformative thing. And it, it made me start thinking about like, How do I, I'm not that good of a person, (laughs) just to be honest. And so it made me really kind of confront that and realize I've got to do better. I've got to change my perspective. And when you're around people like that, it kind of makes you feel bad about yourself because you're like, I could be that and I'm not. And so if you're not honest with yourself and you don't look at those people and realize, I can learn, if you're prideful, if you let that stop you from humbling yourself and saying, I can learn here. I'm not as good as I could be, and I want to do better. If you if you don't take the time to do that, you're not going to get very far, and you're going to be bitter about it because you're not going to understand why those things have happened the way that they have. All right, we're almost done here. When you combine the ability to express your unique talent with service humani- to humanity, excuse me, then you make full use of the law of, uh, we're going to say Dharma. I'm pretty sure I've heard like – Kashmir say Dharma, so we're. I'm gonna roll with that. Um, yeah, and that's the last quote, and it's kind of repetitive. So, yeah, I hope that this has helped, guys. Um, that's the end of our series. That's pretty cool. Again, we've we've got through it together, and I hope that it was valuable for you. Make sure you like, subscribe, share with your friends. Reach out to me on social media if you guys want, um, just to kind of connect. If you want to get some coaching in, if you have any questions, I'm working on some projects that I think are gonna be very beneficial for a lot of people and i think that you guys are going to like them so i will keep you i well i guess i will update you as soon as i have something um more to say about it but yeah best of luck to you guys